Let's pray and jump into this. Um, it's a it, it's it's a story night because we're going to look at some story, but there's some parallels in here, and we want to look at uh, the character of God. Remember, that's what we're going on after is the character of God. We're trying to learn His character, right? So let's pray and jump into it. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the anointing. I thank you for giving me utterance. If I mess it up in the saying, I thank you for fixing it in the hearing before it gets downrange. And I thank you, Father, that you give us each a spirit of wisdom and revelation knowledge of you and your word, and that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, Exodus 6. Character of God, part 8. This is El Shaddai, part 5. And we could, like I said, this could be part eight of a million. I mean, the character of God, we'll really never, ever really know all of it. I mean, uh, even throughout eternity, it says every day is like brand new with him. Every day is like the first day. And uh, so this is really an, an eternal venture in learning and knowing who our God is. And that man, that's just so cool that he could be that deep and be that man. It's like if you ever fallen in love or met somebody and how you just like you're just so jazzed up to be around them. It's like that with God, but forever. Like it doesn't wear off. That's just cool. All right, so Exodus 6 and verse 1. This is our jumping off spot. It says, Then the Lord said unto Moses, Now shalt thou see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand shall he let them go, and with a strong hand he shall drive them out of his land. And God spake unto Moses and said, unto him, I am the Lord. And I appeared unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob by the name of God Almighty. That's El Shaddai in the Hebrew. But by my name Jehovah, I was not known to them. Now, what this verse, this set of verses tells me is that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Joseph, all the way up to the time of Moses, where he's standing there having this conversation with God, God revealed himself that his part of his character is El Shaddai to, to those guys. That's all they knew him as. And so El Shaddai, it means this in the Hebrew, the word, uh, the word El means Almighty God. That, that word itself means Almighty God. But the word Shaddai just kind of get left off in the English. And it's derived from the Hebrew word Shad, meaning breast. So Shaddai actually means the all-bountiful, all-sufficient, the breasty one who nourishes and supplies with more than enough. Well, that sounds like a mouthful, but uh, we've been kind of what it is is God has breast milk for each and every one of us. And we were talking about breast milk the other day, that it's made individual for every baby. Each baby gets an exact recipe of what they need, and that's how God is with us. The way he supplies us and what he gives to us is exactly how it matches our personality, exactly it matches the needs of each person, including how he talks to you, what ideas he gives you, how he deals with you in life. He matches it to you because he made you. How many know he knows what the, how, to, how to handle you? He knows what your hot buttons are. And so uh, here's our working definition of El Shaddai. It's Almighty God who bountifully nourishes and supplies me with more than enough. Say, supplies me with more than enough. If you don't have more than enough, it's because you don't know God as El Shaddai. You might know him as Elohim or the Creator or, you know, just the big kahuna. You know, you know the, the, the man upstairs. You ever heard any of those terms, how people refer to God? They don't know him as El Shaddai. And if you don't know him and his character as the God who's more than enough that supplies you individually, see, because a lot of people tell me that they'll be like, well, I know God can do it, but I don't know why he'd do it for me. Well, it's because you don't know him. If you knew him, you'd know he'd want to do it for you. 
Because why would he do all that? Why would Jesus go through all that and then not supply you? Well, that's just stupid. Why would he give his life and then want you to just dangle on a string? All right. So, well, we're going to, man, I'm excited about tonight. I'm just getting excited by the second. Genesis 22, this is where we left off. Remember, this is where we left off Abraham and Isaac. Now, uh, were we doing that last week? I can't remember. Anyway, uh, Abraham went up to sacrifice Isaac, and we saw that Abraham was paralleled with God the Father and Isaac, Jesus the Son, and God the Father and Jesus the Son actually met him there on Calvary, and they all did this thing. I'm not going to go over that again. Uh, one thing that Clint brought up to me after service last week, and it, man, it just blessed me on a million different levels. But he said, isn't it interesting how Isaac was paralleled with Jesus, and he was the one that had to carry the wood, just like Jesus had to carry his cross. I was like, wow, that's awesome, dude. I, I mean, really, uh, it, and not just that little th- nugget blessed me, but the fact that Clint was so locked in on it that here God's talking to him. It's like God's preaching to him separate from what's going on, and that's what he wants to do for each one of us. That's awesome. All right, so Genesis 22 and verse 19, this is where we left off. It said, So Abraham returned unto his young men, and they rose up and went together to Beersheba, and Abraham dwelt in Beersheba. Remember that? Okay, now let's uh, just shoot ahead to Genesis 23 and verse 1. And it says, And Sarah was 127 years old, and these were the years of the life of Sarah. And she died in Kirjath Harba, the same as Hebron, in the land of Canaan. And Abraham came to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. Now, where was Abraham? Beersheba. Now, Sarah, she passed away, and uh, click on the next one, Mandy. She passed away in Hebron. Now, down here I got Abraham's tent. That's where his tent was in Beersheba. And up here we got Sarah's tent up in Hebron. That's about 40 miles away. They ain't real tight, are they? But what amazes me, it's not really amazes me, but this is cool about God's character, that he uses regular everyday folk that have problems. Here's a guy that he cut covenant with, started the whole thing, father of our faith, and he and his wife got in a fight when he, and, uh, when he kicked Ishmael out. He ain't talked to his wife since. It never records another time that they talked to each other. They didn't even live in the same county. Yet he's God's guy. Isn't that cool? So don't worry about whatever your little problems are. God's not worried about them. Listen, God's moved by faith. He isn't worried about all the stuff that goes on in your life. If you believe Him, He'll work with it. You know why? Because He has to. We're all He's got. We are. He got no. There's no other game going for Him. It's Christians. He ain't using Muslims. He ain't using Buddhists. All He's got is folks that believe Him. Y'all got quiet. Y'all don't believe me, do you? All right, good. Now, Genesis 23 and verse 3. I want to show you this. Uh, and Abraham stood up before his dead wife, and he spake to the sons of Heth, saying, I'm a stranger and a sojourner with you. Give me possession of a burying place with you, that I may bury my dead out of my sight. So he comes to the other county. And he says, look, guys, I'm not even from around here. Is there a place where I can bury my wife? And then, so the very next part of Genesis 23 is him negotiating to buy this property where he could be be- where Sarah will be buried and he'll be buried eventually. I'm not going to get into all that tonight. Okay, you can read it on your own time. It's the rest of Genesis 23. It's not that it's not important, but there's not a whole lot of God showing up. And what we're trying to do is see this from God's point of view so we can understand how he thinks about us. Okay? So let's jump ahead to Genesis 24. Now this is where it gets fun. 
I'll read verse one and then I'm and then we got to talk a little bit. Okay, it said, and Abraham was old and well stricken in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in a couple things, a, a lot of things, all things. So how many things did the Lord bless Abraham in? All things. That's a lot. That means there wasn't anything. Remember, God's more than enough. He, he covered everything. He didn't leave anything out. Well, that got to get you jacked up because, you know, Abraham wasn't even living with Sarah. You know, when there was that little thing with Hagar. You, you remember that part? Yeah, and he went, her light's still on, baby, and he went over there, and then, you know, huh, Mac Daddy and all that. You, you all remember that part, right? You remember when he pimped out his wife twice and got rich each time? All things. God's not a respecter of persons if he did it for Abraham. Who's our father in the faith? Right. And if he did it for him, he's the guy. He's the one that set precedent. Won't he do it for you? Absolutely. He has to. He's got to. All right. Now, as we look at this story coming up, the same parallel holds true between God the Father and Abraham being the father. Isaac the son, Jesus the son. Now, watch this because what's going to happen is Abraham is sending his servant, who's kind of like the Holy Spirit. When you see in this earth, his servant to go get a wife for his son. He needs a bride. Just like God the Father sent the Holy Spirit to woo us to come into the family to be the bride of Christ. Now watch how he gets the girl. Oh yeah. Lots of stuff. You know what the deal? Oh, we'll just read it and you find out. But keep that in your mind that here's Abraham like God the Father. He's the mirror image. There's this two fathers going on and there's two sons, Jesus and Isaac. Okay? Now let's read. Verse 2. And Abraham said unto his eldest servant of the house, that's Eleazar, but notice it never says his name here. I know it's Eleazar because earlier on in Genesis 15, he names him. He's the guy, he's the guy, he said, he'll be my heir if you don't give me Isaac. All right, well, we'll get ahead of ourselves. All right, here we go. And Abraham said unto his eldest servant of his house, that ruled over all that he had, Put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh. Now, that sounds a little kooky, but I guess it's a cultural thing. He's going to get it. It's like pinky swear. Hey, slide your hand under my thigh. Be like, I know that trick, old man. I don't think so. You had Taco Bell last night. We ain't doing that. And that's not what's going on. It's like pinky swear. He says, And I'll make thee swear by the Lord, the God of heaven, and the God of the earth, that thou shalt not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of the Canaanites in whom I dwell. But thou shalt go unto my country, to my kindred, and take a wife unto my son Isaac. And the servant said unto him, Peradventure the woman will not be willing to follow me into this land. Must I needs bring thy son again into the land from whence you came? He said, Look, if this chick ain't willing to come down here with me, should I grab Isaac and take him up there? That seems like a reasonable thing, doesn't it? Because you don't want to marry one of these girls, so if she ain't coming down here, I can't find one to come. Should I just take him up there? It'll be easier to shop him around. We could do the bachelor up there. It's kind of hard down here. They ain't never seen the guy. What Abraham saying, verse 6. Abraham said unto him, Beware that thou not bring my son hither again. No, no, no. Because he goes up there, he ain't coming back. And the Lord God of heaven which took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, which spake unto me and swear unto me, saying, Unto thy seed I will give this land. He shall send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife unto my son from there. 
And if the woman will not be willing to follow thee, then you shall be clear of this oath, only bring not my son thither again. Now remember, the servant is kind of representing the Holy Spirit. You know, he's going to go get the bride. But did you notice right here he said, if the woman be not willing to follow you, then it's okay, all bets are off. Because this is how God is. He's not forcing you to do nothing. The Holy Spirit, His job is to woo you. If you don't be willing, hands off. He's not allowed to force you or manipulate you. He's not allowed to put the screws to you. And He's, and he's not going to bring Jesus to you. If you're willing, He'll bring you to Him. And it'll be really good. Did you see that? So if you're not willing... So here, here's a clue for us. If the Holy Spirit don't make anybody do something they're not willing to do, do you think we can make other folks do right? No. The only people we can do that to is our kids till they get to a certain age. In verse 9, And the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham his master, and he swore to him concerning the matter. And the servant took ten camels, and the camels of, of the camels of his master, and he departed. Now we're going to see later on in the story, he took a whole posse with him. He took a crew. Because these camels are loaded down with stuff. Now, if you're going shopping for a babe, you better bring some stuff. Huh? All the women say, Amen. You better say Amen. And so he departed, for all the goods of his master were in his hand. <laughs> but he's taking a lot of stuff. How much was in his hand? All the goods. Well, he's packing for a man, 10 camels. <laughs> he's taking a lot of stuff. He's going to make sure that he's successful in this mission to get the girl. Is Joe Millionaire. Right here. <laughs> All right, we'll just leave that one alone. All right, so, and then uh, he arose and he went to Mesopotamia, the city of Nahor. Now remember, Nahor is Abraham's brother. And he made the camels to kneel down without the city by the well of water at the time of evening. And at evening time was the time that women go out to draw the water. Now, did you see how fast that went? Now, this is what happened. Go on the map here, Manny. <laughs> He's down here at Beersheba. And he's going up to the city of Nahor, patterning around. That's like 460 miles away. <laughs> went one phrase. He loaded the camels, and next thing you know, he's at the well. Well, that was fast, wasn't it? It's a 20-day journey. Remember Abraham, it took him two and a half days to go the 60 miles to Jerusalem last week? That's 460 miles. It's like a three-week trip that happened in that one little verse. Now, you see, this is, uh, you got, um, this is the uh, Tigris right here. That's the Tigris River. This is Turkey up here. And here's the Nile. Haran, this is where Abraham was from originally. See that right there? That's where he was worshiping Herky the moon god. And then he, they come down here and all the way down. 460 miles. Now he's living down here. So this guy loads up his camels and his posse, takes all these goods, and they're going on the trek, plus they got across the river. 20 days. You think there was like any Denny's or Stuckey's on the way? He had to pack all his stuff. There was no pecan rolls, right? No. So I'm trying to get this to be real to you, as you understand that this. I mean, we read this stuff and it's just like poop, poop. Oh yeah, that happened. No, this really happened, and he was eating dust for a long time to get to where he could find this. You know, and he, they didn't have GPS. It'd been a long time since he'd been there. He was a kid when they left. So he's kind of finding his way there. There isn't really, you know, I-85 and road signs and, oh, I'm just going to go up on the road 450 miles and get to exit 50. 
So he's kind of flying blind. But watch what happens. So he just shows up. He's here in the city, so he's at the well. And here, and it was the women's job. They say women's work. Say women's work. Now you notice the men are such sissies. They send the women to go draw water out of the well. That takes a lot of, man, that's muscle. That's muscle. It's hard work, which we're going to see here in a second. Okay, and so verse 12 of Genesis 24, and this is Eleazar talking. He said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, I pray thee, send me good speed this day. Well, that was pretty good speed because he went went 460 miles in like one sentence. Verse 10 to verse 11, he was there. And show kindness unto my master Abraham. Who's he saying show kindness to? He's saying show kindness to me. He's the one there. Abraham's back eating bonbons and, you know, getting palm trees waved at him. He says, show kindness to my master Abraham. Behold, I stand here by this well of the water, and the daughters of men of the city come out to draw water. And let it come to pass that the damsel to whom I shall say, let down thy pitcher, I pray thee, that I may drink. And she'll say, drink, and I'll give to thy camels drink also. Let the same be she that thou hast appointed for my servant Isaac, for thy servant Isaac, and thereby shall I know that you have shown kindness unto my master. So what he's saying is, okay, whatever chick comes on, and I'm like, I'm going to go ask her for a drink. And she says, yeah, you can have a drink, and then I'll give your camels drink. Now camels, you know, they drink. They they probably didn't stop for a drink. They didn't have a little rest area on the way. They haven't have drank at 460 miles. It could take an it's an all day job getting drink for 10 camels. That's some back breaking work on her part, whoever it is. Now, did you notice in all of this, he says, "Man, you show show kindness to my master and show kindness to my master's son." Did he say anything about himself? Isn't that interesting? Because the Holy Spirit, it says he never talks about himself. He only does what he hears from the Father and the Son when he deals with us. And in verse 15, and it came to pass, before he had done speaking. (laughs) And it's just like God, isn't it? You get this whole thing set up in your mind and you lay it all out. Before you're even done, it's already in motion. He said, behold, Rebekah came out, who was born unto Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, with her pitcher on her shoulder. Now, this isn't one of like, you know, a little Kool-Aid pitcher. It's a big, you know, big. It's a jug. Probably holds 10 gallons or more. Because she's getting water and taking it back for the household's use for that next day. It's all going to wash the dishes in it, take their bath, all that stuff. And in verse 16, it said, The damsel was very fair to look upon and a virgin. Eleazar's like double bonus point score here, guys. She's a she's she's a good-looking girl and a virgin. Well, she qualifies to come be my master's bride. Neither had she known any man, and she went down to the well and filled her pitcher and came back up. And the servant ran to meet her. And he said, "Let me, I pray thee, drink a little water from thy pitcher." And she said, "Drink, my lord." And she hasted to let down the pitcher into her hand and gave him drink. And when she had done giving him drink, she said, I'll draw water for thy camels also until they have done drinking. 
Now, she didn't have to throw that last part in. He Remember, part of his deal was just that she would say, I'll give the camels the drink, which means she could have just, you know, one jug of water over and let them drink and then went on her way. But she said, I'll, I'll bring them water until they're done, which means there's going to be more than enough in that trough because she won't know they're done until there's some left over. Now, this is funny because Eleazar, he's kind of like, you know, he set, he set the whole thing up, right? God, can you? Ha- I want this, this, and this to happen. Then when this, this, and this happens, watch what he does. He's just standing there. Uh, I wonder, could this be God? Yeah, I don't know. You reckon? Huh. So in verse 21, well, that's like, this is just uh, verse 20. It said, and she hasted and emptied her pitcher into the trough and ran again into the well to draw water. And drew for his camel. So she's running back and forth. And the man, wandering, wandering, he's staring at her, held his peace to wit whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. Duh. Now, we laugh at this guy, but we do it all the time, don't we? Oh, I wonder if God's in that or not. Well, he's blessing you. And so it came to pass, as the camels had done drinking... That the man took a golden earring, oh, here we go, of a half shekel of weight, that's two, or .2 ounces, that's two-tenths of an ounce, and two bracelets for her hands of ten shekels of gold, that's four ounces. So he gives her like a quarter pound of gold and jewelry. And said, Whose daughter are you? Tell me, I pray thee, is there room in thy father's house for us to lodge in? Because they didn't have any Best Westerns or Red Roofs around. So he's looking for a place to stay. And she said unto him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, which she bare unto Nahor. Now, what's the chances? I mean, remember that map? That was a big area. What's the chances of him? He does his little thing with the camels and drinking water, and you know, and then he's wondering as a god. And then it's Abraham's brother's granddaughter. They, it wasn't like he just looked him up in the yellow pages and found his address. That she found him. And in verse 24, she said unto him, uh, oh, we already said that. In verse 25, she said, Moreover unto him, we have both straw and provender, or food enough, and room to lodge in. And the man bowed his head down, and he worshipped the Lord. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who hath not left destitute my master of his mercy and his truth, I being in the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. Now while he's doing this, look what she does. And the damsel ran and told them of her brother's, her mother's house all these things. So she runs back and tells her mama and, uh, and her brother. And Rebecca had a brother, and his name was Laban. And Laban ran out unto the man at the well. Now that sounds like, well, this guy's on board. He must be going with God. She told her the whole thing. You know, he's on his face praising God, Abraham, that. So Laban's like, oh, I'm going to go out and meet this guy. <laughs> Why did he do it? Because it came to pass when he saw the earring and the bracelets upon his sister's hands, and he heard the words of Rebecca, his sister. He said, we got us a sucker. And he ran down to the well to get all the stuff that was on the camel's backs. Now you think I'm making that up, but Laban, we're going to find out later, He's that uncle of Jacob's that was screwing Jacob over for 20 years. Do you remember that? This is young Laban. He ain't changed his spots at all. Has he? 
No, this is like 50 years before Jacob gets to him. Yeah, look at he runs out there. Now, you think, oh, he's so holy. I, I love it how the word puts it. You know, he heard everything she said, ran as well. And, oh, and by the way, it was because she, he saw the jewelry. And so he came to the man at the well, and behold, he stood by the camels at the well, and I'm sure he was taking inventory. What you got in there? Uh-huh. Ooh, that's a lot of stuff. That's pretty. Did you have more earrings like that in there? And he said, come in and be blessed to the Lord. Why do you stand here? I've prepared the house for you and room for the camels. And so the man came into his house and he ungirded his camels and he gave straw and provender for the camels and water to wash his feet and the men's feet that were with him. Now there's the first clue we have that Eleazar had a posse with him. But he had all this stuff and all these camels so he had to have guys with him. And so here's Laban. Now we think... It looks like he's got a servant's heart. He unbuckles all the camel stuff. Well, of course he's doing You know, what's all the stuff that the camels are carrying is all the stuff. So he's like, oh, I'll take care of that for you. Oh, and we'll make sure that we feed them and, and, and um, we'll get your feet washed. And, and Laban's taking care of business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. God help him. Now, see, <laughs> here, here, this is a family relationship, and this guy just doesn't mind juicing his own family. So don't be afraid if you're getting juiced by your family to tell them stop. It's not that you're not walking in look, they're not walking in love towards you if they're juicing you, okay? Well, it got quiet in here. Uh-oh. God help us. All right. Verse 32. And the man came into the house, and he ungirded his camels. Oh, I said that. And he gave him, uh, washed the feet and the men's feet that were with him. And there was sat in verse th- uh, 33 a meal before him to eat. And he said, I will not eat until I have told my errand. Now, look, this guy, he ain't, you know, he's been on the road eating beef jerky. And the the water he got to drink was right there. And then they come down, they set this big meal for him. And he says, I'm not talking, I'm not eating until I get to talk and tell you what my errand is. He says, speak on. And then he said, my name's Eleazar. Is that what he said? He said, I'm Abraham's servant, just like the Holy Spirit. He don't, say, he don't say who he is, and the Holy Spirit's all about whatever his errand is. This is see, this is the character of God, because what, he, what the Holy Spirit's mission is is to get you to come back with him to be part of the bride of Christ. And to start out with a little thing. Now, what, happened, what had to happen first before she got the first piece of jewelry? Yeah, she said, oh, let me do this for you, because she was willing then as soon as she just did a little bit, then here comes the jewelry and he says, can you take me back? So then we get to the next piece. In verse 35, he said, The Lord has blessed my master greatly, and he has become great, and hath given him flocks and herds, and Laban's starting to drool, and silver and gold, and Laban's starting to rub his hands together, and men servants and maid servants and camels. And then he looked at Laban and he said, And asses. And Sarah, my master's wife, bare him a son to my master when she was old. And unto him he hath given all that he hath. So now he set it up. Now, Isaac is getting it all. That is Jesus. Okay. And my master made me swear, saying, Thou shalt not take a wife to my son of the daughters of the Canaanites, in whose land I dwell. But thou shalt go into my father's house, into my kindred, and take a wife unto my son. 
And I said to my master, Peradventure the woman will not follow me. And he said unto him, The Lord before whom I walk will send his angel with thee and prosper thy way, and thou shalt take a wife for my son of my kindred and of my father's house. And now, then shalt thou be clear from my oath if you come to my kindred and they give you not one, you shall be clear of my oath. So now he lays it on them. He hears his whole mission. I got to find me a wife. He said to come here, you know, to the home country. I'm here. And here's a deal. If you guys don't, no one's willing to go back with me, then I'm good. I'm on my way. Pack the camels up and we're out of here. He's not pressuring anybody. He isn't offering them any money. He Nothing. He hadn't even eaten yet. So he could get up and he's gone right now if he has to. Listen, that's how it is with the Holy Spirit. You can have him packing any second. It's up to you. You can send him on his way at any time. That's why he says, don't grieve my spirit. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Because you can send him packing in a heartbeat. Because he's a gentleman, just like this guy, this servant. And in verse 41, Then thou shalt be clear this my oath, when you come to my kindred, and if they give you not one, you shall be clear of my oath. And I came this day into the well and said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, if now you do prosper my way in which I go, behold, I stand at the well of water, and it shall come to pass that when a virgin comes forth to drink water, and I say unto her, Give me, I pray thee, a little water from thy pitcher to drink. And she says to me, Both drink thou, and I will also draw for thy camels. Let the same be the woman whom the Lord hath appointed out for my master's son. And before I had done speaking in my heart, behold, Rebekah came forth with her pitcher on her shoulder, and she went down unto the well, and she drew the water. And I said unto her, Let me drink, I pray. And she made haste, and she let down her pitcher, from her shoulder and said, Drink, and I will give thy camels drink also. So I drank, and she made the camels drink also. Now we've just, that's about word for word what we just read the narrative. Do you know most of the times in the Bible it'll just say, and he repeated the same thing over, or he said that same thing, or he rehearsed the words, or, and what just happened, he told him. It doesn't go word for word and list the narrative two times in a row, like this on most cases. The reason he did it is because maybe he's trying to tell us something. Uh, I told it to you once, now I'm telling you the story again. Telling it to you a second time. This is how I deal with people. You be willing, you help me, and then I'll bring you into the family. All you have to do is just be a little bit of willing, and I'll bring you into the family. Now, what happens when you are the bride of Christ? Listen, my wife is the bride of Andrew. She has everything that I got. She controls all of it. Don't think that she doesn't. Oh, you're the head of your house. Right, but if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Glory. All the men said amen. Because it's true. It's not, there's nothing wrong with that. That's how God made it. My mama used to say, you know, he's the head and I'm the neck, but the neck is the one that turns the head, which is true, which is why God was always telling the children of Israel, don't you go out with them Canaanite women because you'd be following their gods. That's exactly right. But did you know, 
this whole deal, it just kind of blows me away because the whole thing, the whole job of the Holy Spirit here on the earth is to woo people to Jesus to come into a marriage relationship with Him. And yet we think, well, you know, I'm saved, but, you know, why would He heal me? I'm saved, why, why would He, you know, make sure that I have enough provision or I don't have lack? If I treated my wife like that, she'd be gone. Why would the Holy Spirit take all this time to woo us and date us and try to get us to come into this relationship and just to have Jesus be like, yeah, whatever? That makes absolutely no sense. Well, why would Jesus do it for you? Because you're his bride. Whether you're male or female, it doesn't matter. We're the bride of Christ. That's how he wants to take care of us. Yes, our sugar daddy. Correct. In verse 47, Eleazar said, And I asked her and, she, and said, Whose daughter art you? And she said, The daughter of Bethuel, Nahor's son, who milk a bear unto him. And I put the earring upon her face and the bracelets upon her hands. And I bowed down my head and worshipped the Lord and blessed the Lord God of my master Abraham, which had led me in the right way to take my master's brother's daughter, it's his granddaughter really, unto, my, unto his son. So we got first cousin once removed, which in about 57, or 47 states, that's legal. So it's okay, it's a clean marriage. But, well, it's just, everybody's freaking out, you know, oh, they're married, they're cousin. All right, it's cousin once removed, it's all right. In fact, you can marry your first cousin in New York and in uh, California. A and in South Carolina. Not in West Virginia, though. I did happen to check on that. I thought, for sure in West Virginia. You can't marry your own cousin in West Virginia. Now, brothers and sisters are something different, but... No, I'm just joking. But, it, so here's this guy. Now, he's flying blind 460 miles, and God leads him in the right way. It wasn't available to them to have the Holy Spirit on the inside of them back then. He wasn't born again. He's part of the covenant, but they're not born again. Their spirit isn't alive unto God. Do you see where I'm going with this? Our spirit, if God can lead this cat in the right way with no GPS, there's no highway, there isn't any stuckies, no pecan roll, and lead him in the right way, don't you think maybe he could do it to you? Lead you in the right way without sweating it? You just go? If you just go. He had to go. That was a, Get the camels up and let's giddy up and go. And God led him in the right way. So we've got to get moving, but don't worry about it. If you're going after God, He'll lead you in the right way. We don't have to sweat it. Jesus isn't going to run His bride off a cliff. He's not. He said in verse 49, And now if you will deal kindly and truly with my master... Did He say deal truly and kindly with me? He said, My master, Abraham ain't seen these guys. Abraham's back there eating bonbons. Tell me, and if not, tell me. This is how the Holy Spirit is. Don't, play, don't be playing games. He don't care about games. He cuts right to the chase. You going to deal honestly with me or not? Just tell me. He ain't going to get mad at you either way. But he's going to go about his business. 
if you're with me, just tell me, and then we're in. If you're not, just tell me and quit playing games, and I'll be on my way. But we play these games with God, don't we? If not, tell me that I may turn to the right hand or to the left. Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, The thing proceedeth from the Lord. We cannot speak to you whether good or bad. Just like a man, right? Sitting on the fence. Well, I don't know. You're telling us it came from the Lord. Well, how, who are we to say whether it's good or bad? I don't know whether it's good or it's bad. So look at it. And they do what men have been doing ever since, right? What do they do? They dump it on the girl. Behold, Rebecca's right here. Take her and go. Let her be your master's son and wife as, she has, as the Lord has spoken. And it came to pass that when Abraham's servant heard their words, he worshipped the Lord, bowing himself to the earth. And the servant brought forth jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment and gave them to Rebekah. And he also gave to her brother and to her mother precious things. Once he got the go signal, in his eyes it's already a done deal to marry. Because he starts giving her part of the wealth right there on the front end. Now watch, this is how, this is how the Lord does us. When we first get born again, man, it's like you're in the bubble. Go play the lottery. You can't lose. Because God will be there. You'll get your healing like that. Prosperity, favor, all that stuff will happen immediately. Then what happens is you've got to start growing up. You've got to start growing into being the wife. You've got to start growing into the relationship. He gives you the initial dowry up front, and if you want to continue on in that, then you've got to have the relationship. You know, he gave that stuff to Rebecca, and she didn't go with him. That's all she would have got. He wouldn't have taken it back. He already gave it to her. But then she decided, oh, I'm not going. That's all she would have got. And they did eat and drink, so now they finally got down to having supper. And he and the men that were with him, and they tarried all night. Now, they just took a 20-day trip up there. They get there at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. They do the camel thing. They get over to the house. It's probably about 9 o'clock at night before they finally get there after watering the camels, getting them all bedded down and all that. Then they have dinner, and they're going to tarry all night, and then they get up first thing in the morning, and they're on the road again. Another 20-day trip. They barely got the camels unloaded. And they rose up in the morning, and he said, Send me away to my master. And her brother and her mother, now look, notice, man, the dad just cut and ran. We don't see, hear from him nothing. After he says that first thing, well, I don't know whether it's from God or it's good or bad. I'm going to bed. And he just checks out. He's gone. He got his pipe and his slippers, and he put ESPN on or whatever, and that was the end of it. Not Laban. Laban's right there. You got some more stuff for me? And her brother and her mother said, Let the damsel abide with us for a few days, at least ten. After that she shall go. Now that seems reasonable, doesn't it? Five o'clock in the afternoon, they didn't know these guys were coming. That was yesterday at five. Now, all of a sudden, it's seven o'clock the next morning, and you're taking my baby girl. Don't you think we could have, like, at least ten days to, you know, get her stuff together, close out the bank accounts, pay off the student loans, pack up the van? And in verse 56, and he said, Hinder me not, seeing the Lord has prospered my way. Send me away that I may go to my master. Now, 
Jesus has said some of this kind of stuff before too, where he said, let the dead bury the dead. Do you remember that? He said, drop it and follow me. Let's go. They said, well, mom, you know, my mom and daddy are old. Can I wait? No. But he left them. He didn't make those folks go with him. He's not making them go. But he said, God's going to keep going on. Here's the point. God's going to go. If you want to go with him, go with him. If you don't, he's not going to make you. But then don't be crying, why did God leave me here in the dust? He didn't. You chose to stay there. Now look at these two, these two they, they cop out too, and they said, well, we'll call the damsel and inquire at her mouth. And they called Rebecca, and they said unto her, will you go with this man right now? Well, what would she say? No, I want my ten days. No. Oh, I need to say goodbye to my friends. No. She said, I'm going. She ain't never met this guy. She don't know what Isaac looked like, what he smells like, if he got nose hairs. She don't know none of that. Apparently she saw God's hand in this whole thing too. Do you know what Jesus looks like? No. I don't know what he looks like. You know, the whole Bible doesn't even really give a physical description of him at all. It don't say he had blue eyes or brown eyes or what kind of hair he had. It doesn't know if we had, he had, you know, ear hair either. I don't know. It doesn't matter is the point. He's calling you, and you're willing. Get on the camel and get out of Dodge. Get on with it. Don't be diddling around with all your, i got to take care of this business and that business and this business and that. No, get on the camel and go. It's better over there, I promise. And they sent, in verse 59, away Rebecca, their sister, and her nurse, and Abraham's servant, and his men. And they blessed Rebecca and said unto her, Thou art our sister. So this is Laban talking, obviously, because, you know, the mama's not going to say you're my sister. Be thou mother of thousands of millions. Be like, well, hold on there, coaches. You know what that does to my body? I mean, if I was a girl, I wouldn't be one having thousands of millions. I ain't birthing that many. And let your seed possess the gate of those that hate them. Great blessing, Laban. Thanks. And Rebecca arose and her damsels, and they rode upon the camels, and followed the man, and the servant took Rebekah, and he went his way. Now, verse 62, we're on the other end of the journey. There's Isaac, who came from the way of the well of Lahorai, for he dwelt in the south country. Go to the next one for me. See where Jericho is way at the top there? Then Hebron, that's where Sarah's tent was. A little further down is Beersheba. That's where Abraham's tent was, about another 40 miles south of that. That's that well, Lahorai. That's where Isaac is living. Now, he was living there the time that Abraham decided to take him and go sacrifice him because this is only a couple years later. He's 40 at this time, which we're going to see here in a minute. He was in his 30s when they took him up on Mount, uh, up there into the uh, land of Moriah. They're all spread out, this family. They're all six sheets to the wind. Ishmael's living over on the, uh, the, uh, over by the um, sea over there. And so he's going about his business. He don't really know that Abraham, you know, 
sent Eleazar on this mission. Did you notice that? It never said Isaac was anywhere involved in that. He just kind of farming the back 40 down there, minding his own business. Not really worried about it. He's 40 and he ain't worried about getting married. Hmm. And in verse 63, let's see what kind of man Isaac is. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field at eventide. Sounds a lot like Jesus when he would get away at the evening and go meditate and pray. Isaac's a covenant man. He knows the covenant rests on him. He spends time with his God. You know why it's so real for him? Because remember last week when Abraham was bringing that knife down? And he said, Abraham, Abraham, don't do it. We got it. It's all good. Isaac was a witness to that. He saw all what was going on. It's real to him too. He knows his place in the covenant. And he lifted up his eyes and he saw, and behold, the camels were coming. <laughs> he's, he's, out, he's going to meditate. It's at, you know 5 o'clock in the afternoon, even tide. And he looks up and there's dust cloud and there's camels coming. Go to the next one for me, Manny. Go one more. All right, one more. And then we'll, oh, go again. We'll back it up. Padanaram was where they were, 480 miles, all the way down to Lohorai. It's been three weeks. He doesn't know what's coming. He's out here in the desert meditating, and he sees the camels coming in the distance. He don't know what's going on, but we got visitors. He got a package, and he don't know it. Now, he's sad because his mama died. His mom and daddy, they ain't talking to each other for the last 10 years they were alive. They're living in two different counties, and now his mama's gone. He ain't living with his daddy. And he's sad his mama's gone. So he's just, you know, doing his thing. Kind of in the, He's just kind of locked into, you know, a routine. Y'all ever been there? Just doing a routine? Nothing except, but you know what? This, this day is going to change his life forever. He just minded his business, going out to pray, doing what he does, and look out. This is going to be fun for him. What has God got coming for you at eventide? What's God got coming for you tomorrow? See, you don't know. So don't be getting all, oh, you know, I'm just a worm. Oh, it's just bad. You just you never get ahead. You just never know. Well, I know it's good. It's coming. It is coming. And watch out, it'll sneak up on you. He don't know. Man, this has been going on for three weeks. Three weeks down, three weeks up. So six weeks this has been going on. That God is setting this up for Isaac, and he don't know it. It's about as close to instant as you can get. I mean, as long it once his you know once his guy on the ground got there, it happened like that, and they came back as fast as they could. The only thing that would make it faster is they had a Citation jet, which they didn't have back then. So. But, I mean, this this is the character of God. He sets stuff up for you where you not even look and see. You just think it's a cute saying that I say. But it's true. God's setting Isaac up. He ain't even looking. All right, back that back up. I don't know where it was. Six, verse 63. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field at eventide, and he lifted up his eyes, and he saw, and behold, the camels were coming. And now Rebekah lifts up her eyes, and when she saw Isaac... She lighted off the camel. Now, she wasn't smoking. She just got down off the animal. All right? 
For she had said unto the servant, and this is telling you why she got off the camel, because she turned to the servant and he said, she said, What man is this that walketh in the field to meet us? And the servant said, It is my master. Now I thought Abraham was his master. Therefore she took a veil and she covered herself. And the servant, so I guess he went ahead, and he told Isaac all the things that he had done. <laughs> Thanks for filling me in. Who's the chick with the veil? Eleazar, what do you got going here? Does my daddy know you were out? Huh? Because she had a bunch of chicks with her. Remember the nurse and all the damsels that went with her? She got like a little harem coming down there. But Isaac's like, Eleazar, you at it again. Mm-hmm. You've been dipping into the Guinness. And Isaac, now look what down there. Now, you know, he didn't waste no time. When he got his package... He didn't waste any time, because look what happened. It said, And Isaac brought her into his mother's tent and took Rebekah, and she became his wife. And he loved her, and Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Here's the character of God. Man, his family life was just a mess. His mom and daddy, they were fighting. Then his mama dies. His brother was kicked out a long time ago. He's got nobody. He's dwelling in the south country by himself. He's sad. He's mourning his mama's death. Life is just, uh. And so God goes to work on his behalf behind the scenes and brings him the perfect bride for him. But now think about this. That's what Jesus thinks of you. When the Holy Spirit comes and grabs us and woos us, it's for Jesus. We're for Jesus, His bride, that He can love and bring into His tent and provide for and share life with. Man, that's cool. If that doesn't bless you, you ain't alive. That His Jesus loves you so much that is just like a husband and wife thing. He brings you in and he takes care of everything. And it's not just you do what I say. Because remember when mama ain't happy, nobody's happy. He wants to know what you think. And then he he does stuff to make you happy. That's the character of God. That's the God we serve. Why would you want to serve a God that you don't know what he's going to do next? Whether he's going to kick you or make you sick. Why would you serve a God like that? What a waste of time. If that's how your God is, that he'll, you know, oh, he's trying to teach me something through this hardship, or he's bringing me through this, or he's doing that to me, or, you know, I don't need, man, I got enough problems. I don't need a God that's, you know, tripping me up. Why would I want to serve that guy? Why would you want to? I mean, it's just silliness. Not our God, the God we serve more than enough. Hooking you up when you're not looking. Isaac wasn't expecting a wife. He wasn't believing for a wife. He wasn't confessing for a wife. He's just doing his thing and being sad because his mama died, you know, and his daddy lives up there. I'm sure they didn't probably have too great a relationship because he just tried to put that knife in me last week. 
all right, God, what's next? You know, we're a bunch of kooks. You know, go up here, put a knife in me, come back down. You know, mom ain't talking. You know, but, you know. Regular folks, regular problems. Yet God's going to the mat to get him something that will make him happy, something that will bring him fulfillment, something that's more than enough. Because who's Isaac going to pass all this stuff down? He knows that he's the seed, and in him the seed was called. He ain't got a wife. He ain't got kids. He's 40. His biological clock's ticking. There's some pressure on him. I'm sure Abraham, you know, he's probably thinking, boy, you better get on it. Come on now. We've got to pass this down to somebody. We've got a covenant that we've got to keep up. Don't worry. God's got it all taken care of. You ain't got to stress over nothing. Just relax and enjoy the ride. But when the camel's leaving, get on it. That's all you got. She didn't have to do anything. She didn't have to know the way. She didn't have to know where, you know, where the rest stops were. She didn't have to worry about food. She didn't worry. She just hopped on the thing and said, let's go. That's what Rebecca did. That's all we got to do. When the camel's leaving, hop on it and see ya. And let's ride right into our provision, ride into that relationship with Jesus, ride into being in his tent and his bride. That's good stuff. Look in Genesis 25 and verse 20. We're going to skip down because this is tell you the timeline on it. It said, And Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah to wife, the daughter of Bethiel, the Syrian of Padaram, the sister to Laban, the Syrian. So we want to make sure that everybody knew who Rebekah was. That's why we tagged her here. There's the lineage. It was Rebekah related to all those guys. He took her to be his wife at age 40. Now Isaac is starting to understand second generation El Shaddai, the God that's more than enough. He didn't have to, you know what, he didn't have to do anything. He didn't have to look for, listen, he didn't have to go looking for a spouse. He didn't have to throw it up on eHarmony or any of those things to network. He didn't have to speed date. He didn't date anybody. That's how our God is. He knows the right spouse. And listen, if you jump the gun and you get the wrong spouse, man, it's horrible. You got the right one? It's awesome. So Isaac, second generation, starting to understand God that's more than enough, taking care of everything. And we're going to see some more about Isaac in the next couple of weeks. And we're going to see where, he, you know, we looked at this a couple of Sundays ago where there's famine in the land. And so he's going to go do the natural thing and go to Egypt. And God said, no, nah, I don't, I'll take care of you. And made him super great beyond what he already had with whatever Abraham gave him. Which was a lot, because remember the very first thing that we said tonight was that the Lord had blessed Abraham and how many things? All things. And he wants to do the same for you. Glory. All right, stand to your feet with me and we'll pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you and praise you for just being the God that's more than enough. Father, It is our, mm, we want to know you as El Shaddai. Personally know that you'll show up with an all-bountiful supply that's more than enough for each one of us personally know exactly what each of us needs, exactly what each of us desires out of life. And I thank you, Father, for getting it to each one of us because that's your character. We believe you, Father. We worship you. That's the kind of God we worship. 
one that's looking out for us. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.